So in the book of Acts chapter 2, if you read through it, you begin to identify things that God said, this is what I want my church to do. We know that um, from Peter's confession that Jesus said, upon this rock, meaning the rock of Christ, I will build my church. And then we know in other places in Scripture, he said, I want you to go and be my ambassadors. In other words, my spokespeople, my, the ones who talk for me. I want you to join me in my work. But in Acts chapter 2, he says, here are some of the ways, some of the categories that I want you to implement my work. And he identified six of those. And we've looked at discipleship, which is the, the act or the process of helping those who become followers of Christ to become mature enough in their faith that they can daily walk with God and seek His guidance, understand His voice, and obey His commands. The other thing that we identified was fellowship. That is that God said, look, I don't want you just to live this Christian life in isolation. I didn't call you out and set you up for you to go hang out in a corner and not be involved with and have influence over other people. He said, I want you to have fellowship. Now, sometimes when I think the word fellowship, I think about a party where everybody brings something after church and we hang out. We may have one of those today as we uh, celebrate Joy and Avery's marriage. We'll have that. That is fellowship. But it's also much more than that in that it is walking side by side with people, meeting people on the street, telling them who you are and letting them know you're glad you met them. It's, it's when somebody's going through a difficult time, it's connecting with them and supporting them. This week, I had the opportunity to watch a neighbor of a church member become literally just the lifeline to that, to that family. As he drove them where they needed to be, as he took them and gave to them what they needed. So when we talk about that word fellowship, it's more than just food and a hanging out. But it's a doing life together. And then we talked about evangelism. And evangelism being the, the, the process of telling people the good news that, that Jesus Christ, who was in heaven came, as the scripture says, in the fullness of time from heaven to earth and walked and lived among us without sin and died on the cross for us and then was buried in the tomb and rose again so that we could have eternal life. He said, that's what I want my church to do. I want you to make disciples. I want you to do life together. He said, I want you to have evangelism where you tell people to become a follower. Last week we talked about worship and we said that worship is the act of bowing the heart, bowing the knee in reverence to the awe and wonder of God and for the sole purpose of exalting Him and adoring Him. And in worship we begin to see His holiness, His power, His righteousness, His goodness. Well, today we're going to identify and look at another element, and it's the, the word prayer. Now, we've also said in this whole process that God called the church through the command and the teaching of Christ, that God placed the church in the people business. And so all of these things that we're talking about, because God placed us in the people business, our judge, our thing that we need to look at is to say, how's business? How are the people sitting next to me? How is life for them? How is relationship with, for them? How is friendship for them? How are they doing in their journey with God? 
And prayer is one of the ways that we can step into the life of any person, any place, any time, at any moment. And we can take that person and literally place them in front of God and say, Father, today, I don't know what this person's going through, or maybe I do. God, specifically today, my friend is going through this. My family is going through this. I bring them to you. Father, would you show yourself in power? Would you show yourself in mercy and goodness and righteousness? Would you let them see? And God, would you work on their behalf? You say, well, I don't know the person. That's the wonder of prayer. And you can begin to talk to God for people, about people, on their behalf, crying out to them. What I want to do is, if we're going to talk about prayer, maybe let's begin with a definition of prayer or some definitions of prayer. And prayer defined would be the cry of the human heart to the God of the universe. Me, you, us, recognizing that we alone are insufficient, but that He alone is all-sufficient, and we cry out, Abba, Father, help. You fill in the blank, help me with. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's past. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's loneliness or fear. But Father God, I cry out to you. Prayer defined would also be the voice of a child to a loving heavenly father. It's that moment when you think about your child that That young child can walk up to you with arms raised, not seeing a fault or a problem in your life at all. But they come to you with their arms reached out and all they're saying is, pick me up, hold me. That's prayer. Father, I come to you and I can't do it, but I call, I cry. Prayer is an expression of our need. Prayer is inviting God into our lives. Prayer is a venue to express our love and adoration for Him and share our needs and the needs of others. So when we talk about prayer, we're really talking about a conversation. We're talking about being able to be so honest that you can bear and open up to the depths of your being. It doesn't have to be filled with fancy phrases or an amazing knowledge of the Bible. But just simply, God, here I am today. This is what's going on. God, you wouldn't believe how they're treating me. God, you wouldn't believe how I hurt. God, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't know God. But yes, he does because he says, I know you better than I know, than you know yourself. So can I encourage you today in this definitions portion of our message? You say, God wouldn't want to hear about that. Man, God wants to hear about the smallest detail of your life. You know, the passage that said that the sparrow doesn't fall to the ground. How much more would he be concerned about you? Yeah. You say, well, that's trivial. It's trite. Nobody cares. Yeah, God does. And he says, talk to me. When you're weak, you talk to him. When you're strong, you talk to him. When it's good, you can tell him how excited you are. And when it's bad, you can tell him how much you hurt. As we have done in this whole process, we've chosen a passage of Scripture. Today we're going to take the book of Acts, chapter 4. 
Acts chapter 4, and we'll read verses 18 to 34, and then we'll bounce around a little bit to try to gain a better understanding. But this is two men, Peter and John. They're in a little bit of a hot water because they've been using the name Jesus, and some miracles have happened through them using the name of Christ, and the religious establishment has gotten a little bit upset because they feel threatened that their power is... um, Being challenged. Their place, their authority. So now they're going to exercise that on these two men. So here it goes. Then they, they being the Sanhedrin, they being the Pharisees, they being the religious leadership, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach it all in the name of Jesus. So can you imagine you're at home and your phone rings and it says, hey, this is the local authorities, we want you to come down to the to the station or we wanted you to come over to the church and this is what we're telling you you better not ever one time again say the name of Jesus we're upset with you because you're using that name but Peter and John replied which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him you be the judges as for us we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Do you see that? They went back to their own people. That's an amazing word to me. They had a place to go. When life was in a challenge, when life was in a struggle, when life was in a turmoil, they had a place that they could leave from and they could go to. Can I tell you that's the wonder of a church? The beauty of a life group is that when your life is happening and things are going on, you've got that place to go. You've got that group of people that has committed to walking with you and beside you in life. They could not decide because all the people were praising, for they had seen the man who was. And on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The king of the earth, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Ooh, don't run over that one. Okay, don't let that one slip past you. Because all that they simply prayed was, God, before the foundation of the earth, you had decided that there would be an uprising, and in that uprising that your son would be the sacrifice and that he would die on the cross for our sin. God decided that. He decided that because he loved you so much. What your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Hear what they said. Enable your servants to speak. In other words, don't let us be intimidated. Don't let us be beat down. Don't let us be afraid. But God, 
You heard what they said, don't use the name of Jesus. Now, what we're going to ask you to do is to empower us to use that name continuously with boldness and power and might, not being threatened, not being intimidated. But as for me and my house, me and my people, we will honor and speak the name of the Lord. Um, Word with great boldness, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. In other words, God, everything that you have done to this point, let us do it now, but with greater boldness, with greater manifestation, with greater strength, with greater understanding. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God. And all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their, were their own. But they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that they were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales. Let's pray. Father, as we've read your word, as we've seen your power, as we begin to understand this thing about the place being shaken and the great work being done and the name of Jesus being told, God, would you make us like the servants of old? Would you make us like the apostles and the church and the people that they gathered with, that we would recognize that you are sovereign, that you are the maker of it all, that you're the keeper of it all, the provider? And God, let us have great boldness, great unity, great fortitude to step out together and to speak the name of Jesus. God, let your power be seen in our community and in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can let me remind you of something? You remember we were talking in our previous series and it said that at this moment that God chose to come into the world and it was at a moment of great tension among people that there were six six distinct groups that were identifying as their own and that were operating as an entity and yet in the middle of that that God brought them together and said I want you to be my church. There were Jews, there were Gentiles, there were slaves, There were what was known as freedmen, there were masters, and there were women. And in the middle of that, God said, I'm bringing you together. And in the middle of that, God began to work and do power and brought unity among them. And God not only brought unity among them, but he brought work out of them. And people began to take notice. In fact, what we read just there that in that moment was, we really can't do a whole lot about this because the fact that a notable miracle has taken place and that the people see it is there and that's happening in this moment right now. So we've got to be careful. So the best thing they had was a threat. Hey, don't do it or we're going to get you. And Peter and John looked at him and said, you know what, we're just going to keep on talking. And then they ran back to their church and they said, hey church, we're going to keep talking. But if I'm going to keep talking, you sure better keep praying. Because these people are serious and we need protection. And it says they prayed. And obviously, obviously the words reached heaven. Because in reaching heaven, the place was shaken. The miracles continued. The boldness was there. So if we're going to understand prayer and begin to see what was happening in this church, the first thing I think, and you've got an outline, you can follow me here, is we need to understand the reason for the prayer meeting. 
persecution. Opposition. Oppression. Um, threats. Beaten. We'll go back and see that where they were beaten, literally thrown in jail. There was a time going on that, that it was not cool to be a follower of Christ. And people were up against you. And so in this time when they recognize, hey, look, we've got to do something that's greater than we are. And so they went back and in the middle of going back, they all started crying out to God and being let go. The disciples had been through it. It was a time of tribulation. Acts 4.18 says, So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. The opposition was no freedom of speech, no open churches, no sympathizers for the cause. The church threatened the government and the religious leaders, and they were wanting to protect what they had. And so people were saying, don't do it. There were a lack of resources. You remember in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, the beggar came up to Peter and said, Hey, give me something. And he said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we'll give to you. You say, well, what happened to the resources? Surely in all of these people there was something. Well, I'll tell you what happened for the Jewish people. For them to become a follower of Christ, they were literally disowned from their family. They had to walk away from everything. And no matter what their family was or what their family had, they no longer had it. And so in the middle of that, they chose God over resources. They chose Christ over comfort. And it no longer was in their hand. But yet, listen to me. In the middle of not having it, God was changing and shaking the world all over. We don't have this, but let me tell you what we have. We have the power of God. It'll heal your sight. It'll heal your lameness. It'll heal your deafness. It'll raise you from the dead. And in the middle of it, they began to walk. There was a presence of opposition. It was a time of tribulation. There was a Lack of resources. There were persecution. In Acts chapter 4 verse 3 it says they laid hands on them. Now that's not laying hands on you as in let me anoint you. That's laying hands on you and let me beat you, whip you, throw you into jail, put you into stocks. Let me put you into a cool damp place with barely resources to get by. Acts chapter 5 verse 40. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. And the reason for this prayer meeting is desperation. God calls us to be desperate. Calls us to recognize that without you we have no hope. The cost to follow Christ cost the disciples, the apostles and the early Christians Yet we see them in perseverance. They had the tenacity of a bulldog. It was the attitude to do with us what you will, but we will follow Christ. Vance Habner, a preacher from another era, said a persecuted church has a repelling as well as an attracting power. The great awakenings of the past have not begun by gathering in of the many, but by the deeper consecration of the few. Would you be one of the few? Would you be one of the few that in this time, a critical time in our nation, which every four years is a critical time when we elect our leaders, would you be one that says, Father God, protect us. Father God, guide us. Father God, give us wisdom. Show us. Teach us how 
to be your people, your voice, your eyes, your ears. God, in the middle of all the stuff that we read on the news that's going on around us, God, would you cause us to continue to have the courage to speak your name? Lord, would you let us walk up to the stranger and love them on the street? I had a cool experience this week. Um, I was riding down the road and I saw a young man walking and carrying his groceries. And I actually thought I knew him from Open Gym. So I thought, oh, that's Eric. I'll turn around. Let me go give him a ride. Well, when I got turned around and I saw him, I was like, ooh, that's not Eric. But I was like way too up in it by this point. And he was walking, carrying those groceries, and there was a shade of a pine tree. It was hot. There was a shade of a pine tree. He sat those groceries down, and he got down like this. And you could just tell he was like at his end. I mean, um, it would be like, Jirele, um, no mas. No more. Not, in, not now. I can't do it. So I said, dude, let's get in the car. Where do you live? He said, man, I live in Point South. I'm thinking, okay, who do I know in Point South? Who do I know in Point South? I know that Miss Joyce lives in Point South. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to start this conversation. I'm going to tell him I know somebody from my church that's his neighbor. So we're going down the road. I go around the curve, and I say, right there, if the garage door is open, that means that they're home and they want you to stop in. The garage door was closed at that moment. I said, but if you see that garage door open, you know that that's there. I said, and Joyce's husband, Ted, He'll let the kids bring their bikes over and he'll work on them, make sure the tires are working, all this stuff. Joyce came up to me this morning and said, guess what? Mark stopped by and said, hey, yeah, young dad, wife, kids, just at a low time in life. But he pulled up and introduced himself. And now he's got a neighbor literally right behind him that can be a friend. Don't discount that small voice of God. Lord, do you want me to turn around? And he said, I do. And I thought, you want me to turn around and pick up this guy? No. No. It was somebody I didn't know. But an amazing, awesome, wonderful, really cool experience of meeting people. And there are other stories that I'm sure you could stand up and say, hey, guess what? I met oh so and so. And these people, the cost does not begin with a bunch. It begins with a, with a few. So we know why they had the prayer meeting. Life was hard. Well, what was the response of the prayer meeting? Look at verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions. You know, in the recent days that I've had recovery time, my mom came and stayed with me. And she will spoil me stank rotten. Y'all just need to know that, okay? I mean, she is so good at it. And I'd wake up in the morning and she'd say, Sugar, are you hungry? And I'd be like, you know I am. <laughs> she said, what do you want today? And I was like, oh, some eggs and some bacon and some pancakes. I couldn't do it. I couldn't say all that. I'd say, well, I just want this and this. And um, I mean, I am 50, almost 53 years old. And she would bring it to me, and she would take a little bit out and blow on it and taste it. She said, I think it's cool enough to eat now. I'm like, yeah, you can move in, lady. (laughs) Um, And then she taught me how to make biscuits. 
oh, I can't make biscuits like she can. But I told her, I said, but you can make them anytime you want to. But I'm going to tell you something. That whole thing, and they went to their companions, all it meant was they had people, and they went and hung out with them. In the middle of the stuff, they went and hung out with people. Guys, listen to me. Church can be and should be your people. It takes work. And it takes work especially in a community this large where we live north, south, east, and west. And work northeast, southeast, and southwest and whatever's the one that I left off. Yeah, it takes work because this literally is the only time that most of us will see anybody at any time throughout the week. But it is so worth the effort to take the time to make these people your people so that when life happens you have a companion to run to that's what they were doing it says they ran to him well what did they do well first of all there was a united voice verse 24 says that they raised their voice to God in one accord and said division had not entered the church denominations hadn't come to play they were just a group of people with one banner and that banner was Jesus And God, would you cause me, us, to run past our preferences to the person of Christ with the point being to let people know that Jesus is the answer. Man, it's so easy to say, well, I like it this way, or it ought to be that way, or it should have this, or it should have that. You know what? I don't know what it should and shouldn't have, and I can find examples of A thousand ways that people come together under the banner of Christ and it's working. But I do know one thing it ought to be. It's the name of Jesus lifted up. The people gathered around that name and saying whatever it takes. Paul said, I have become all things to all men that by all means I might see some saved. God, let me die to my preference. Let me come alive to your purpose And that's to redeem even the least of these. They were united voice. There was a clear vision. Look at verse 24. The last part of it says, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. These people understood that God was sovereign. They understood that he was the unchallenged leader of the universe. And that if they took their eyes off of him... One, they were physically doomed, but they were completely off task. Isaac Newton said that he could take his telescope and look into the heavens, and he gave some amount of distance. It was miles and miles and miles and miles of it. And he said, I can see what God did. He said, but when I go into my closet and I shut the door and I bow my head and pray and I open my Bible, I feel closer to God than I would as if I were looking through every telescope that will ever be created. Yeah. The wonder of God. They had a united voice. There was a clear vision. There was a renewed vigor. Go down to verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats. In other words, God, you hear what they said to me? You know what they want to do to me, God. 
Look on their threats and grant to your servants boldness. Not God protect us, not God keep us, not God let me get in my house, shut my door, shut my shutters so that I don't have to speak to the person across the street. But God, give me the heart, the desire, the passion, the vigor, the purpose, the boldness to open that door and go, hey, how you doing? My neighbor, his name is Countryfied. I mean, his mama gave him that name. He told me, he said, I said, hi, I'm Chris. He said, I'm countryfied, and my mama gave it to me. I'm like, all right then. Well, he wanted the neighborhood to know that he was a place that they could come and hang out. So he went and got a can of spray paint, and he sprayed the outline of I love you. When he mowed his grass, he didn't mow that part out. So now when you ride by his house and it's on the hill, all the grass looks really good, but Countryfied Yard says, I love you. And people who are walking stop all the time to have conversation with him. That man washes his car more than anybody I've ever seen. I don't think it's because the car's dirty. I think it's just because he wants to be out in the yard to talk to people. I don't think I would have put I love you in my front yard, but it sure worked for him. I'm not going to necessarily raise my garage door, but it works for Joyce and Ted. Yeah. What are you looking for? The people, it's there. God's calling you to do something. They said, God, give us a new vigor. God, give us a purpose. God, let us have boldness. And these people didn't pray for little things. They prayed for big things. Hmm. What's the result of the prayer meeting? And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. God rocked the house. And I believe that God wants to rock this house. I believe that he wants to shake it. But I think before it gets shaken, we have to be awakened and shaken ourselves. Have you ever had that moment you're laying in bed at night and you either have the sensation that you're falling off the bed and you like jump? Or you think somebody has walked in the room and you sit straight up because you heard a noise that you may not be familiar to you? My prayer is that God would give us a falling off the bed moment. Where we would wake up with both eyes wide. Keenly aware of our circumstances. To see what needs to be done. Because I'm going to tell you at that moment. You'll do whatever it takes. That's what we need. There was grace in the fellowship. There was power in the fellowship. There was the power of ministry. Verse 33 says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And all they were doing was fulfilling Acts 1.8. You shall be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the earth. They were great power in their witness. There was great grace in the fellowship. And it was among them all. They were conscious of the others. There was caring. There was sharing that showed love and commitment. There was unity among the people 
of the church. The conclusion would be this. First, God grant us the desire to cry out to you. Next, God give us the passion to come together. Lord, give us a heart for the community. God, give us a yearning to recognize that apart from you, we can't do it. But become totally available. You see, they didn't say, Lord, let us do ministry this way. They just simply said, Lord, grant us boldness to get ministry done. To reach people. And can I tell you, That if you're bringing five groups, six groups of people together, that they're going to do it differently. The Jewish people had a lot of customs. The Gentile people, not the same ones. The slaves and the freedmen of that day, a different way of doing it. And women just didn't even know their place at all. But yet God stepped in among them and said, I'm going to do it. And here's the cool thing. I'm going to do it through you. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more or to contribute through online giving, please visit www.mzbc.org. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more, simply click on the Sermons tab or subscribe to the Simple Truth Podcast through iTunes. Thank you for supporting Mount Zion, where you are welcome, wanted, and needed.